example, if you can take somebody's Facebook likes and infer from them using advanced analytics, their sexual orientation or their mental health status or their political affiliation or other sensitive information, that's a privacy risk. Welcome to There's a Better Way. Each episode, Dr. Arvind Chandrasekharan, professor and academic director, will sit down with a prominent expert or faculty leader to discuss how business principles can provide solutions to problems we may face in our professional and personal lives. This program is brought to you by Fisher Executive Education. Welcome to There is a Better Way. Today in our podcast, we have uh, Professor Dennis Hirsch, who is a faculty from the Moritz College of Law at The Ohio State University. And he's also the faculty at uh, the Capital University Law School. And Professor Hirsch is also uh, the faculty director for uh, the program on data and governance. Welcome to the program, uh, Professor Hirsch. Thank you, happy to be so, here. So Professor Hirsch or Dennis uh, Hirsch, as you are fondly uh, known in this community, you are an expert in this uh, area of uh, data ethics. Uh, the idea behind uh, why companies, not just companies, but also consumers should be aware of uh, what big data, what are the negative sides of big data. So uh, for our listeners out there, can you tell us more about what is data ethics and what kind of problems that um, both companies as well as consumers face when they are uh, dealing with in this day and age with big data? Sure. So, you know, this was one of the questions that I started with two or three years ago when I started hearing about corporate data ethics. And I thought to myself, well, what is that? What are they talking about? So I got interested in it. And as uh, you know, Arvind, I've been leading a interdisciplinary research team at Ohio State University looking at corporate data ethics management. And out of that experience and the interviews that we've conducted as well as just my reading of the literature, I've developed a sense of what it is, what corporate data ethics is and why companies are pursuing it today. And it really comes back to, um, well, first of all, advanced analytics, as you mentioned, we can call it big data analytics, we can call it artificial intelligence, we can call it machine learning, these all kind of overlap, which obviously create many, many benefits, right? For businesses, for government, for health, for education, et cetera. But they also, these technologies post, pose significant risks uh, to individuals and to the broader society. So those might be privacy risks. For example, if you can take somebody's Facebook likes and infer from them using advanced analytics, their sexual orientation or their mental health status or their political affiliation or other sensitive information, that's a privacy risk. They also pose risks of manipulation. If you can infer from kind of innocuous data from the type of data that we all throw off all the time, people's vulnerabilities, you can use those vulnerabilities to manipulate or exploit them. That's what happened with Cambridge Analytica in the famous you know, infamous Facebook Cambridge Analytica episode, they were using Facebook likes data to infer people's personality types to send them manipulative uh, political advertisements that would appeal to their unconscious and bypass their consciousness, right? So, you know, that's a manipulation risk. Bias is a third area of risk. Um, 
if the data on which the advanced analytics is trained reflects human bias, the advanced analytics will pick that up and will replicate it and perpetuate it. So, you know, an example is um, Amazon using an AI tool to sort through the tens of thousands of resumes it gets per year. And it trained that data, it trained that, that uh, AI mm -hmm. on the resumes of its own employees, the ones that it had accepted and the ones that it had rejected. And so the AI learned what Amazon likes, what Amazon doesn't like. But at Amazon, as at many other tech companies, there had long been a bias in favor of hiring males. Mm. And so the AI tool learned to reject female applicants out of hand. Uh, if you had something on your resume that identified you as a woman. Now, a a Amazon caught this and they kind of put, you know, they, 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 they tried to fix the AI and when they couldn't, they abandoned the project. And that's actually a really good example of what is happening with data ethics, which is recognizing these risks and then having management systems in place to catch them mm. so that you don't actually use the advanced analytics in those instances where the risks are too high, for example, bias or manipulation or privacy. Mm. Now, why data ethics? Um, you might think and I came into this thinking because I'm a, I'm a uh, scholar of privacy law. One might think, well, these are risks associated with companies' use of data. So the solution lies in privacy law, right? And, uh, and so we should have, they should comply with privacy laws or we should have more privacy laws. And that's the answer here. Um, what I learned through these interviews is while privacy law plays a very important function uh, that in enabling people to control their own data, it doesn't work very well to address these threats from advanced analytics. So the goal of privacy law is to give each individual control over their personal information. That's what privacy is as far as the law is concerned. It's control over your personal information. It's not complete secrecy, right? We all want to share information in some context and with some people. We just want to have control over it. And that's what privacy law does. And it does it by giving people notice before their information is collected and giving them a chance to consent to the collection and use of that information, right? Notice and choice. So every time we go to a website and click the yes box, you know, we are consenting, we're getting notice and we're consenting. So we're all very familiar with this. The problem is with advanced analytics, the data that you share is only, you know, a, a minimal part of what the company learns from it. They can infer from that all kinds of other things, right? Um, you know, with a famous Target story, Target used its female customers' purchasing information to infer whether they were pregnant or not, right? And then market to them based on this. The women, when they gave up their purchasing information, had no idea that they were giving up their pregnancy status. So this notice and choice control model breaks down when you have this very powerful technology that can take surface data and infer hidden data from it. So what we see with these companies when we start talking to them 
And these are just kind of leading companies that are, you know, have the resources and the, and the motivation to really pay attention to this. But what we see is they're aware of these risks from their use of advanced analytics, privacy risks, um, uh, manipulation risks, bias risks, and others. And, um, and they know that that's bad for their customers and users, right? Um, and it's also bad for them if, mm. if they are found to be, um, you know, have done one of these negative things. And, and we can look again at Facebook Cambridge Analytica for the type of impact that can have on a company when they step over an ethical line. Um, and they say privacy law is not, even if we comply with privacy law, it's not sufficient to protect people here. And it's not sufficient to protect our own reputations. And so we need to do more than what the law requires. We need to do, you know, we need to go beyond law. We need to be ethical. And that's where this idea of data ethics comes in. Ethics is kind of beyond compliance activity that goes mm. beyond, you know, what it, the law requires to try and be responsible and protective uh, and, and be socially responsible. And when, once we frame it that way, data ethics is not so mysterious. It's not about deciding, you know, what philosophical school of ethics your company is going to follow, you know, utilitarian or virtue ethics or whatever, and trying to conform your operations to that. No, it's about going beyond compliance with the law to be socially responsible so that you don't hurt people and you maintain your good reputation and your trustworthy relationship. Uh, you know, at the same time. And so, so what we kind of came to conclude, and we had one or two of our interviewees come out and say this, is data ethics is essentially corporate social responsibility for advanced analytics. Mm. And we think that in the coming years, more and more companies will start to make data ethics part of their, you know, corp of their CSR, work of their CSR reporting, um, you know, we, we think in the next, you know, five to 10 years, that will become increasingly common. Okay. So I, I like the way you, you actually phrased this, uh, Dennis, where you said uh, it's something beyond compliance. So uh, apparently, like, it's very clear from all your examples, you say the laws are not catching up. The way right. uh, we are using big data technologies related to big data we can see that uh, any laws, be it in the U.S. or even looking at uh, European Union laws like GDPR, I think um, they are not caught up. They're still like uh, uh, way uh, behind some of the practices that companies are doing, which really poses two different questions for you. So one thing is, as you mentioned, companies are now getting into this whole idea behind social responsibility and, and trying to build in practices. Uh, but but then it gets even complicated. And some of the examples you gave, Dennis, uh, like even the Facebook Cambridge Analytica, sometimes your data that you generate is not used by you. It's used right. by somebody else. So it gets more and more messier in this big day and age where our world is flat and, and how our, what we create as data is no longer ours, right? So where do you see that is going? I mean, like, so given that there is no laws governing these companies and people, what do you think are these companies doing to manage it, specifically because their supply chain, I look at this as a supply chain where 
there is no end or no near to a supply chain. Everything is uh, everybody's uh, ownership. So how do you then manage this kind of problem? So, and, and you're right that U.S. privacy law and the GDPR to a great extent in Europe focus on this notice and consent and purpose limitation model of privacy law. And so they're kind of behind in terms of where this technology is today. Um, there are some parts of the GDPR that do apply to what's called automated decision-making, um, but they don't really prevent these harms. Um, and there are attempts to kind of take some very broad portions of the GDPR that use the idea of fairness to start, you know, to regulate these activities. So that's, you know, can you construe the GDPR that broadly? It's, it's a question, but I think you're largely right that in some ways the GDPR was out of date you know, as soon as it was passed, because it really wasn't designed to deal with these advanced analytics problems. In the US, we're starting to see legislative proposals that would govern um, these types of advanced analytic provisions. There are three bills in Congress right now that would address this. So law, you know, may be coming here as well on this. And I think, you know, one of the things we talk about in our report um, from our, our corporate data ethics management uh, study is part of what's motivating this is preserving reputation, right? Preserving trustworthy relationship, but it's also perhaps preparing for these laws of the future or trying to preempt them by showing that companies can be responsible. That's often a motivation for self-regulation, which is essentially what we're seeing here. But you were asking you know, given that the law right now, at least, doesn't require this, what are they doing in terms of social responsibility? How are they going beyond compliance? And in kind of putting together our research findings, we divided that <clears throat> into two main areas. Substance, which is to say, how are they making substantive decisions about what's ethical and what's not? How are they drawing those substantive lines? And that, by the way, is a really new and interesting dimension of data governance. It's, it's not just about giving the user control over their personal information and giving them choices. It's about regardless of their choices, regardless of whether they gave consent, because they probably couldn't understand what they were consenting to anyway, is what we are doing with the data ethical? And how do we draw those lines in a way that we make sure we don't step over the lines the way Facebook did, right, with, with Cambridge Analytica? And, um, and so, so this substance is one piece of it. And then the other piece is management processes, right? Once you know what substantive goal you want, how do you manage to achieve that goal? So that's kind of how we have, have divided up the, the broad activities here. Okay. Um, uh, on, on the substance front, one of the things that some of your listeners may have heard of is AI ethics principles or data ethics principles. And growing numbers of companies are advancing data ethics or AI ethics principles. And multi-stakeholder processes have been creating them. And think tanks and trade associations have been creating them. And, and, you know, 
privacy groups have been creating them. There's there's a just a flowering of data ethics principles out there. Um, uh, one study pulled together something like 57 different principles, right? Different mm. sets of principles. And so what we thought we would see is companies taking one or more of these sets of principles and then applying them to their operations to figure out, you know, what's ethical and what's not. Um, but interestingly, that's not what we saw. You know, mm. we spoke to about 25 companies. And again, these are kind of the leading companies that, that have the resources to think about this. Um, only two of them were using some type of formal, you know, set of principles. The decisions, the substantive decisions were much more based on what would our customers expect? What will regulators expect? What would the public expect, like public expectations? And would we want to be subject to this ourselves? I mean, we had one of our interviewees said, you know, our, my test is, what would my mother say about this? And would I want my daughter subjected to this? I, I think of this as kind of the golden rule, right? Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. So mm -hmm. what you have in these companies is often kind of cross-functional committees coming together, uh, privacy professionals talking with others in the companies to, to, to look at these ethical questions, these, you know, should we do this? Or here's, you know, we can do this, but should we? and discuss in a very, you know, expectation-based, gut feel, you know, would I subject my daughter to this kind of way, um, whether it feels right or not. That's really what they're doing on the substantive level. Um, you know, so on the one hand, you have these very broad sets of principles, right? Sure. Freedom and autonomy and you know, uh, equity and all kinds of things that are, that are very important and very good, but very hard to operationalize these, yeah. these sets of principles. On the other, you have these much more intuitive, you know, golden rule type of, uh, of, of standards that people are discussing and debating and applying in companies. Mm. What, what we think will emerge over time, because there's something in between. Those, between yeah. And what's in between is policy right? It's actual policy decisions that the company has made. Mm. And, and in some companies, what we saw them doing is saving, you know, recording and capturing their decisions in this area and, and, and kind of saving them as precedents almost for future decision making. So mm. what we anticipate is that over time, more policy will develop that sits somewhere in between these more intuitive judgments and very broad abstract principles. But we're early in this game as of yet. And so uh, on the substantive front, we're not seeing that too much. So that's kind of in a nutshell, some of the things we saw sure. in substance. And then the other big area is management. Yeah, so it's very clear, Dennis, that, that even without the laws, some companies and some individuals within companies, as you rightly point out, are creating their own frameworks or, or their own uh, mechanisms to manage and to avoid these things, right? And, and the hope is that as, as more and more companies and more and more individuals start uh, practicing them, then that can escalate into something like a policy across right. several different organizations. So I could see this again, uh, the operations person in me uh, tends to always think about this as like, this could be a new ISO standards. 
mm-hmm. through the international standards for organization where again there was no law in the beginning but these standards came in right. when a group of uh, companies came together and say here is what we think right. we should have for certifying quality and safety so i could very easily see something like that coming down the line both within the us and outside the us so dennis i know we are running out of time so i do want to ask a few more questions on uh, the other things related to this topic so i do know you lead another initiative at ohio state uh, on on the, on the whole big data initiative so tell us more about what that initiative uh, is seeking towards and also the second thing is you mentioned a report that i think it's publicly available so tell tell our audience how they can actually read that report and and get some insights on some of the things that you've been talking about so we are publishing a final report of our of our study uh, it's not yet publicly available we have, okay. uh we have a draft that we are still editing um and but i expect that later this summer it will be publicly available any of your uh listeners who are interested could look at our website uh the program on data and governance just google that at the moritz college of law or send me an email um uh i'm at hirsch.151 at osu.edu if if they would ultimately like a copy of the report happy to do that um but uh but the other initiative we've got going at ohio state right now is our research team are not the only ones that are interested in this question of you know how do you ensure that ai and advanced analytics are not biased you know how, how do you address how, how do you have privacy in a world where so much can be inferred about us by these very you know powerful technologies um and those are governance questions right for law and policy they're governance questions for corporate management and for ethics they're technology questions as well like can you have mm-hmm. privacy protective data mining for example um and so uh so there are a lot of researchers around the university who are interested in various dimensions of this and what we've done is created a community of practice we're calling it the responsible data science community of practice to bring these researchers together and uh kind of have a cross fertilization of ideas and 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 hopefully have more interdisciplinary teams form because in this area in particular that involves technology and data and ethics mm-hmm. and law and policy you know um and management you need really a interdisciplinary perspective to see all the relevant angles and to think productively about this um so uh so that's this other community we've already got um about 70 Ohio State law faculty from many different colleges and departments at the university um who have come together in this community of practice and uh and and and, and I'm hoping that there will be you know and I think there will be productive synergies that emerge from that but we just created that a month ago congratulations on that dennis i think i think there are lots of interesting things and exciting things happening in this area and uh, i'm sure again as we go on we'll probably have another conversation with you down the line in this podcast to learn more about uh, what you have learned in that but thanks again for taking some time today and sharing what you have learned on this uh, area of big data ethics and pointing our listeners to the right ways to understanding this uh, uh, complex problem so thank you so much thank you arvind it's been a pleasure 
We hope you enjoyed listening to this episode. For more episodes or information about executive education program offerings, please visit fisher.osu.edu.